welcome to the Yoga Writer Podcast, where we explore the wisdom of yoga, the magic of storytelling, and the power of moving beyond your blocks to share your gifts with the world. I'm your host, Melissa Carroll. Today, we are going to dive into the threshold energy, the in-between, off-kilter energy space that is this period of moving from the year 2020 to the year 2021. First of all, y'all, 2020 was a lot. Now, I know that's not new information for you, but do you feel wrung out? Do you feel as if your soul has been like a soaked through t-shirt that has just been wrung out? Are you exhausted? Are you a bag of frayed nerves? Like one minute you're prancing around your place singing Christmas carols and Hare Krishna, and then the next minute you're, you know, scream crying? And by you, I obviously mean me in that last sentence, because that has been rather descriptive of my energy swings over the past week, especially. Um, with trying to do shadow work and processing everything that uh, we've gone through on the collective level and also, of course, what we're going through personally during this passage in time. And so basically, if you're feeling burnt out, I want you to know that you are not alone and you're not strange and you're not weak You're a conscious human being with a nervous system that has undergone chronic stress, information overload, emotional turmoil. It's been so, so much. And you made it. 2020 was a year of shadow work. I actually uh, asked that on my Instagram feed and my stories a couple of weeks ago uh, if people felt that way and um, you know how Instagram well you might know Instagram stories you can do um, questions and they give you the percentages of the answers and 100% of people answered yes absolutely 2020 was the year of shadow work and 2020 was a year of breakdowns and breakthroughs they they go together don't they 2020 was the year our illusions evaporated (laughs) like smoke before our eyes, Uh, particularly the illusion that you are in control, the illusion that things will go according to your plans. And it's like we always knew that those concepts were complete myths. We've known, you've known consciously that you're not actually in control. And yet, we've also been under the spell of the myth itself. And we can no longer cling to that mythology any longer because 2020. (laughs) That's my answer. Because 2020 was also the year that the pronoun we became global. 
we is not just like me and maybe my immediate family or, you know, like we, me and my cat um, or even me and my community or me and my political party or whatever. Um, 2020 was the year that we realized how we are, like it or not, ready or not, we are interwoven in this global collective and for as long as I have been alive, these 36 years, I've, I've never been a part of a truly, truly um, global situation where the collective energy has become so completely interwoven. And obviously it's been devastating. The pandemic has been completely devastating and at the same time, there is this incredible new awareness of interconnection because one person can impact the entire whole. It might sound super cheesy and cliche, but the butterfly effect has proven itself over the course of 2020 and the pandemic. And as John Donne put it, in 1624... No one is an island. We're, we're all part of this web together. 2020 was the year that we could no longer run from ourselves. We could no longer keep running on those old myths or those old programs, perhaps especially the program of, of busyness as self-worth. We could no longer run headlong into our well-worn stories into the arms of our coping mechanisms or run into our distractions. I mean, you know, we could and likely we did fall into these patterns. I fell into my distractions a lot. <laughs> but still, for, for most of us, and I take it if you're listening to this, then you're a conscious being on some spiritual journey. And so for most of us who are working on our own evolution, we have, even through our distractions and our coping mechanisms and our stories, we have also borne witness to this deeper wisdom that has broken into our awareness. And that deeper wisdom breaking into the awareness, it, to me, the image that comes to my mind are like, you know, those little weeds, those tiny blades of grass that burst through concrete. That's what's been able to happen in this past year because so many of our normal operating procedures have been completely disrupted. And again, I'm not trying to diminish the incredible, horrifying loss of life and, and the incredible suffering that has happened due to the pandemic. It's, um, it's absolutely devastating. And I hope you're all being safe, by the way, side note. Um, but through this, this disruption in society, we've also perhaps been able to bear witness to incredible lessons. And there is the potential for incredible healing for ourselves and for our loved ones, which can then ripple outward into our communities and into the greater world. Because as we know, no one is an island. We're not isolated, even though you 
likely, hopefully, did spend a good portion of this past year more isolated than ever before. Being alone does not mean that you are actually alone. That's just a physical expression. But energy, life force energy, psychology, heart energy, it's not bound by time and space. And so maybe even though you've been physically distanced from your friends and your loved ones, emotionally you might feel so much more tender and raw and open and connected than ever before. And so now, as we stand in January, I'm recording this on January 3rd, we're on that threshold of the, the next calendar year. And it's unlike any, any New Year's that we have encountered together on this collective level. And normally, I don't know about you, but my New Year's resolution game would be pretty strong. I'm the type where I get really excited by a fresh planner with all those empty spaces <laughs> for all my projects and my tasks to go into and um, I would be writing a list of all of my uh, goals for the new year and all that jazz um, and and that's not happening this year. This year I'm going to approach this threshold space much more differently and I just actually saw on Instagram a friend of mine, Maureen McDowell. She's um, a, a wonderful person and a writer. And she heads up a great literary nonprofit based out of St. Pete, Florida. Um, Keep St. Pete Lit. And she posted Virginia Woolf's resolutions from January 2nd, 1931. And I wanted to share them with you here because... They're so perfect. <laughs> so this is what Virginia Woolf says from 1931. Here are my resolutions for the next three months, the next lap of the year. To have none, not to be tied. To be free and kindly with myself, not goading it to parties. To sit rather privately reading in the studio. To make a good job of the waves. To stop irritation by the assurance that nothing is worth irritation. Sometimes to read, sometimes not to read. To go out, yes, but stay at home in spite of being asked. As for clothes, to buy good ones. Ha! I just adore that. Here are my resolutions for the next lap, she says. To have none, not to be tied, to be free and kindly with myself. Whew. Isn't that just the sentiment that we all could, could use for ourselves? <laughs> because truly, there is a lot of power it's like a gravitational pull in the collective unconscious. 
or the collective consciousness as well, um, which, as many of you know, these are Jungian terms coined by, of course, Carl Jung. And one of the big collective conscious concepts that we have this time of year is new year new you and um, in my past life when I worked at an ad agency that's what we used as the same headline on all of our big clients websites I was a writer for Walmart and Sam's Club and Best Buy back in the day and I obviously hated it and felt like it was sucking out my soul so of course I quit to become a freelance writer and a yoga and meditation teacher. So anyway, new year, new you. We used it every single year on all of their websites and it's pretty gross. <laughs> but even so, beneath that cliche, there is that glimmer of truth, right? There's that gravitational force on our collective psyche and it is the promise of a new start. It's this promise of starting fresh, of a reset button, of another chance. This is also why, for those of you who might be into astrology and uh, are following some of the astrological transits of this time period, you know we just had the great conjunction at the winter solstice on December 21st. And there's been a lot of language around that the rhetoric of that transit has echoed this too like there's going to be this age of Aquarius this new era this new opportunity for things to shift and I know I'm a sucker for a clean slate for a fresh start it feels baptismal almost and and we need that you know, I'm not going to completely hate on that. So while, sure, a part of us might roll our eyes at the new year, new you sentiment, it's also, at its roots, it's also enchanting, right? Because it signals possibility. It signals a new possibility for things to be different. And, and it really does hold psychic power, that's also why advertisers capitalize on it. But the new year, new you cliche doesn't feel the same at this threshold from 2020 to 2021. And I think it reveals to us another important truth, another important, beautiful lesson that has been deeply hard won out of the pain uh, and suffering of this past year. Because there is this other illusion that the schism between the before and the after is clean cut. Um, we've been indoctrinated with images on the internet, in commercials, all over the place of like before and after photos. And advertisers know that those before and after photos are really, really potent. They work. <laughs> and they put a lot of money be in, in the psychological, sociological, behavioral research as to why those before and after photos work. If you see somebody uh, their after photo, all of a sudden they've got six pack abs or a before and after photo of a, a kitchen, right? That after it's been remodeled, it also creates this false notion that 
the switch from before to after is quick. And we like that, don't we? We like the idea of a quick fix of a simple life hack that will change everything. It's like the proverbial get-rich-quick scheme. But life doesn't really work like that. And it's because we are in a perpetual state of evolution. Your healing process is not linear. You know that, right? But sometimes it's, it's helpful to remember that the healing process is not linear because we can get down on ourselves when we feel as though we should always be projecting upward. There, there should always be this trajectory where things continually get better and better. And the more meditation I do, the more yoga I do, the more self-help books I read, then the easier and easier my life is going to get. And while that is true in many ways, the journey is really messy. And when you're going through time periods of sorrow or you're in the midst of uncertainty, you're feeling anxious, we've got to give ourselves a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of space, right? As Virginia Woolf says, to be free and kindly with myself, not to be tied. So so hopefully you can remember to be free and kindly with yourself because you are in a perpetual state of evolution. And on the collective consciousness, we are so caught up in the myth of newness and attainment and reaching this metaphorical summit of our lives. When we get caught up in those unconscious stories, we actually miss The mess. And the mess is right now. The mess is this present moment as it is. And there is hidden magic in this in-between state, which I'd venture to guess. Most of you have been swimming in for months now, Um, even at the beginning of the pandemic, right? The the media was saying um, experts were hoping that it would be over in a few months um, and then... You know, people were saying like, well, by by summer, this will be over. And by summer, of course, it was not over. And then there were projections that, well, by, by the fall, it'll be over. And of course, by the fall, it wasn't over. And now here we are in January of 2021, and it ain't over. And there are projections that, oh, in about six months, three months, it'll be over. Um, but... Hopefully we're learning our lesson that that we don't know and that we are not in control of all of these external forces, that we are in control of our own choices and our own thought patterns and the wisdom of our our own heart and compassion. (laughs) So uh, in the midst of all of the mess, maybe instead of being so caught up in the future, we can just be right here where we are. And instead of being so deeply informed by this culture of instant gratification, we can remember to just be here now, as Ram Das says. So simple, right? But it's not simple because we are not, we have not been taught to be here now. We've been taught to go, go, go. (laughs) 
So for 2021, maybe we can transform go, go, go to slow, slow, slow. <laughs> this is a threshold. It's a long threshold. It's this, this in-between state. It's not a thin line. It's a wide, it's like a big prairie. And you look out in every direction and all you see is more prairie. And you're not sure where things are going to go from here. So, so what can we do? We can soften in to this weird and wondrous threshold space. Maybe for just a moment. Maybe for just a moment. That's fine. And I, I really like looking at this energy as a threshold, not as something to quickly cross over. Because as I just said, we know that um, this is not, our, our collective situation is not something that we are going to quickly cross over to. So instead of getting caught up in the shoulds and the shouldn'ts, we can be where we are in the threshold and actually just remain on the threshold. Because where else are we going to go? The only other two places are the past or the future. And the ancient yogis have known for millennia that the past and the future are the causes of most of our stress. So if we can be right here on this threshold, now, now we can do some good, good stuff. Now we can sink in. And this takes me to my next concept of the threshold. Joseph Campbell, who I'm sure many of you know, he coined the phrase threshold guardians. Joseph Campbell studied myths and narratives from many, many different cultures across the world and throughout the history of humanity. And he discovered the similarities between all of these different stories and he, he created this, this framework, and we see it in so many of our modern narratives. If you watch a movie, if you watch a sitcom um, or a TV series, you see these different narrative engines, these themes arise again and again and again. And there's something fascinating about that, right? Because it does point to our shared humanity in the way that we tell each other tales and teach each other lessons and share the messiness of our human experience through the magic of storytelling. And we've been using this, the same or very, very similar tropes from ancient Egypt to Native American stories to Netflix. <laughs> and so one of these tropes are the threshold guardians. They're the obstacles. And again, they appear in pretty much every single story across time. There are exceptions, but there are exceptions to everything. And I, I found a great definition of threshold guardians that I love. So threshold guardians, again, they're the obstacles, right? They're the things in the way. They are the forces that stand in the way at important turning points, including the hero's own fears and doubts. I love that. So... The threshold guardians, you know, and, and if you think about it, when I was taught um, screenwriting, we were taught the classic formula for every movie, and it involved um, three obstacles, 
three threshold guardians. So, you know, not to suck all the fun out of your Netflix. The next time you're watching a movie, see if you can spot the threshold guardians because you know every plot. It's not like the hero wants something and then boom, they easily get it. The movie would be over in like five minutes and there wouldn't be anything really interesting to watch. So we get caught up in the story because we watch the protagonist, we watch the main character struggle. We watch them go through some shit and we start to feel for them and we start to root for them and we start to hope that they can move past or through or beyond the obstacles that they are facing. And then to take a mindful approach to this mythology, to this narrative structure, which again, it's deeply embedded in our collective psyche. We can look at this for our own lives. So I've got some journaling questions for you, of course, for the new year, but for any time. But it's it's always nice to, to take some time to reflect at this threshold space as one calendar year moves into the next. And if you want to actually see these journaling questions visually, I'm a big visual learner, I have these on my Instagram page and my Facebook page. I will link to those specific posts in the show notes of this episode. So you can check those out there. So here are your journaling questions. As we sashay and foray into 2021, it's helpful to look at the threshold guardians in your own life. You know, who or what is standing at the gate for you to go deeper into your own heart? Who or what is standing at the gate? What forces are in the way for you not to just do your own inner work, but perhaps your outer work in the world? I found that there's very, very often a dynamic between your inner work and your outer work in the world. If you're in the wellness world, if you're a yoga teacher or a healer or um, intuitive uh, Reiki practitioner, anything like that, your own inner spiritual journey directly impacts your external capacity to share and help others. So taking a look at the forces at the gate and ask yourself, Is it my tendency to stay small? Is it the comfort of familiar patterns or the comfort of familiar relationships and behaviors, even though I know that they're ultimately holding me back? You know this is the year to do the difficult work and shed the patterns, the relationships, the friendships that are are not in your highest good, that are not serving you, that you're just falling back into because it's easy and feels like it would be more difficult to dismantle them. And so is another threshold guardian your fear of being seen? Maybe a threshold guardian is prioritizing your needs or the fear of prioritizing your needs. 
Many of you listening are probably people pleasers. You're really good at giving. You're good at giving your time, your energy, your empathy to other people. And that's important. And it's also, as you know, a very, very easy way to deplete yourself, to empty yourself out so much. Um, And so my hope for you is that you can prioritize your needs and break through the threshold guardians standing in the way of doing that. Because for many of us, it's become our mode. It's become our pattern to put other people first, to diminish ourselves, to diminish our light, to stay small, to listen to the self-doubt narrative within. And maybe as you begin to observe these patterns emerging over the next few days and weeks going into the new year, maybe you can see them for what they are, see them as these obstacles, these threshold guardians. I I often think of like, you know, the doofy thugs in action movies that are like bumbling and the protagonist has to thwart them to get, you know, inside the castle or whatever it is, whatever the plot is. Um, Maybe you start to see your self-criticism or your self-doubt as a bumbling thug. (laughs) Why not, you know, use some of these highly charged images that are so potent because they stem from the collective consciousness. Use them to your advantage now because when you look at your self-doubt as like a doofy thug, it's, it's not so scary anymore. It's like, oh, okay, all I have to do is uh, sidestep you and then I can go and actually do what I want to do, fulfill what I want to fulfill, right? Give myself a break <laughs> without the guilt, without the self criticism. And so if we can name and notice the obstacles, then we can start to move through them slowly with tenderness and mindfulness and who knows, maybe a little bit of humor. And if you can be right here in the present moment with all of its chaos and sorrow and unanswered questions and splendor, then you can open up to the beauty in the mess. And so I wanted to close this audio love note by sharing that whole passage from John Donne from 1624. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee.
Please take care of yourselves. Please take care of each other. I love you all so, so very much. And I am so thrilled that you listened to this audio love note. If you felt nourished or uplifted by this little audio love note, (laughs) then please share it with a friend or with an enemy. That's cool too. Please uh, feel free to follow and like on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you are listening to this. I would really appreciate it. The ratings and reviews really help to spread the word. So thank you again.